This is the Lightning Junkies podcast with your host, Chaz. On this week's episode of the podcast, we have Jack Everett and Desiree Dickerson from Thunder Games, and we're talking gaming, Thunder Games time. This episode is going out on March 23rd to coincide with the release of Sats. Sats is the new game from Thunder Games, a Bitcoin Lightning Network gaming studio. They've taken the first mobile game, Snake, and reimagined it with Bitcoin. Download it now by searching for Sats Bitcoin Snake on Google Play or go to the Thunder Games Twitter at twitter.com forward slash T-H-N-D-R-G-A-M-E-S to find all of the links to get started earning Bitcoin with Snake. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode so we can find out more about how Thunder Games ticks. How are you guys doing today? Really good. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So I wanted to kind of get you guys on here. You know, we had Jack back on episode 32 in July of 2020. um, And I feel like a lot of things have changed. Uh, Desiree is now the CEO of Thunder Games. What's going on, you guys? Yeah, it's been uh, we've been uh, growing very rapidly recently. And uh, as part of that process, I've been uh, like trying to get the best people in Bitcoin and gaming to join my company. And Desiree has been on my like hit list basically for a long time. And I'm super lucky that she, uh, she loves games and Bitcoin as much as me. Yeah, it's been, um, it's definitely been a a long ride. I can't believe you were on lightning junkies in 2020. Um, it's like, I feel like this has been going on for so long, but it also feels like yesterday. I mean, I look through like our formation docs and it's just like, I laugh because it's like literally Jack founded thunder games the day after the lightning conference um so it's like so fun to think like how far this has come and like how you know how our paths have culminated in this like next step of like growing thunder games and executing on jack's original vision so um yeah i mean i feel like we're in the beginning but i also feel like you've been at this for a while jack yeah, it was yeah, it was funny because uh, you were at the Lightning Conference as well, weren't you, Chaz? Uh, and uh, basically, I had the uh, the epiphany for Thunder Games during that conference and came home and like literally on the plane was starting the company and <laughs> applying to to register the company. So yeah, it's been it's been a long journey. It's really cool that um, it's all finally you know kicking off now. Yeah, absolutely. So I I definitely want to kind of dig deeper on, you know, the updates, you know, new games since uh, the middle of 2020, um, new, you know, new heads joining the company, you know, all kinds of things happening. So I want to jump into that. But before we do, um, I want to just make sure everyone knows who uh, Desiree is. I think everyone does. But, um, you know, I like to kind of go through the 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 steps of making sure everyone in the audience knows who they're listening to. 
Um, so uh, would you mind kind of giving giving the audience a quick tour on how you found Bitcoin and you know your journey into the Lightning Network that was quite exciting, I think, Des? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I don't want to go into it too much and take up too much time, but, um, you know, I, I guess it's always a little bit of a joke, but I found Bitcoin through Dogecoin um, because I was a big Redditor and found our Dogecoin and thought it was really great, like such an amazing community. And, you know, my interest just kind of progressed and started learning more about Bitcoin and like actually not a total meme coin. Although, um, you know, now people take Dogecoin very seriously and the Dogecoin history has been quite interesting, but I think you could do like a a whole podcast on that. Um, And so, you know, I I got really interested in Bitcoin, was very active um, on Bitcoin Twitter, um, especially when I was working at like a boutique management consulting firm. And, you know, I just, I was doing some work with the federal government, became very disenchanted with kind of our traditional um, systems, whether that be, you know, finance or whether that be, you know, government systems and, uh, you know, just became more enraged day after day and and really started um, becoming active in Bitcoin, uh, you know, was following along during the whole scaling stuff and, uh, you know, learned about the Lightning Network and really saw like, oh my God, like there's so many new things that are possible with these kind of instantaneous, cheap, really seamless transactions, microtransactions. And um, that's what really got the light bulb going in my head in terms of, um, you know, the Lightning Network. And, you know, I had been connected with um, Elizabeth at Lightning Labs. And, you know, I guess it's all kind of been history from there. So it was at Lightning um, Lightning Labs for a little over three and a half years. Um, I was VP of Business Operations. So oversaw um, kind of the business side of the company and, um, you know, was doing a lot of uh, work there. And really, you know, one of the kind of um, verticals that I oversaw was business development. And, um, you know, thinking through business development, working a lot with Ryan Gentry, um, we thought a lot about like use cases. And, you know, Lightning Labs mission is bringing Bitcoin to the next billion people and looking over the use cases gaming really kind of stood out to me. And I always say like somewhat selfishly because I love video games. Um, you know, I don't have enough time to like play them, even though like now I work at a video game company, but, um, you know, so it wasn't only because I enjoy the video games, but you know, it was such a seamless, um, or such a frictionless on-ramp to Bitcoin. You know, you don't have to go to an exchange and do this whole insane KYC where you basically have to like provide your firstborn to get onboarded. You know, you don't have to take your like hard earned dirty fiat money and actually exchange it for Bitcoin. You know, you can go to a very safe and familiar place and go through a very familiar flow of going to the app store or the Google Play Store and downloading um, an app or a game. Like everybody has done that flow before. So it's very familiar. And then you just play the game you don't have to do anything and you literally just earn sats or you win sats and then instantaneously you're a Bitcoiner. And, you know, I've known Jack for quite some time now and, you know, being friends with him, like really got to see him 
grow Thunder Games. And, you know, I was seeing like this mass success of something that he was just started doing out as a hobby, doing as a hobby. And, um, you know, I took some time off this summer. Um, and when I was kind of looking to get back into kind of my next career move, um, you know, it was just like, very, very clear that this was kind of my next step uh, because, you know, I do care about um, growing Bitcoin, growing the Lightning Network, bringing this like whole new idea of like financial freedom to the world. And, um, you know, what better way to do that um, than through Bitcoin gaming? It's also incredibly fun too to work here. And, you know, Jack, like, as I said, we've known each other for so long. We worked on the whole Mint Gox thing together. Like I knew, I knew that there would be like a very seamless, easy kind of um, like co-founder relationship. And so, um, yeah, it was just like a total no-brainer. And so I joined, and it's literally been—I mean, I wake up every morning and I feel like it's Christmas. And when I was a kid and like, I was about to get like an N64, like that's how exciting every single day is, even when it's like super stressful. So, um, it's been like quite a journey. Um, and you know, I know we're still very early in this like new kind of endeavor, but it's been incredibly rewarding. We're moving super, super fast. And like, I couldn't be more proud of the team. We just got out off of like this call about monetization and you know all these metrics and stuff and like i just feel so dumb every time i'm on a call with the whole team everyone is so smart and so passionate and so yeah it's it's been an incredible ride so far and just like very very honored to you know be on this team and work alongside jack so I found it kind of interesting that you got your start in, in Doge, basically. And I've I hear that a lot from people that end up getting into Bitcoin Lightning at some point, um, you know, as a quick tangent here, would you say that some of the kind of early experiences on Doge, especially on Reddit, um, kind of had some of the fun aspects of Bitcoin Lightning? that you can tip with Bitcoin Lightning, you can, you know, send, you know, a, a tenth of a cent around very easily, you know, very relevant inside of games. Um, do you feel like there's this kind of similar energy, not necessarily between, you know, do, uh, people, you know, pitching Dogecoin or whatever, but maybe just those were the, those were that were kind of just tipping and having fun with the currency back in the day? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at the beginning of Dogecoin, that's definitely it's there's so many similar similarities between like that stage of Dogecoin and um, Lightning, the Lightning Network and what's being built on there, like in terms of community, like not a lot more, more than that. But, you know, that's why I got into Dogecoin, you know, was everyone was so nice, um, you know, and it was more of like, you know, sending transactions for like things that you really valued even i mean you valued but it wasn't like okay cool i'm gonna go log on to paypal and send you 20 bucks but it was like hey like that was really cool that you did that or you know someone's struggling like i don't want to send them like 50 bucks but you know hey like if i could send them you know a little bit of dogecoin it's just like the intention and and that feeling of community that i think was what brought me in and i think that that is totally true like there's so many parallels with the lightning community i think like the broader bitcoin community can be known to be like somewhat toxic and have like a little bit of a crab mentality 
But, um, you know, I, I definitely still see that. I mean, I realize what's being built on the Lightning Network is still, still so, so, so early. So who knows what it looks like next. But, um, you know, I definitely see that like very, you know, pure intention, community building um, type of mentality right now. And we all saw that at the Lightning Conference way back when. And I think it's still true today. So kind of speaking about the Lightning Conference, uh, Jack and I met there, I think, on the last uh, episode when we went over how we uh, met at Renee Picard's uh, Lightning Network explainer thing, whatever you want to call that, uh, was very interesting. Um, But a lot of things have changed since then. You know, Jack launched the company. More than one game has launched. I think only Bitcoin Bounce was out um, I think maybe the, the next one was about to launch in July of 2020. Um, so when I heard that Desiree was was made CEO, I was just like kind of jarred, like, wait, what's going on? I thought they were, you know, Jack was just, you know, plugging along with just kind of handful of games. You know, where where did this big change come from? I'm, I'm assuming it was kind of brewing for a while. Uh, yeah, so basically... I because uh, Desiree obviously left Lightning Labs and um, was uh, had the kind of summer off. It was like a huge opportunity, and you know, I to to try and get like an awesome co-founder. Yeah, it was just uh, like I just wouldn't take no for an answer. Basically, I knew she would love working on Bitcoin gaming because I saw her with me Gox how much she like put like all of her spare time into that the gaming side of Bitcoin Lightning. So I just felt like it was the perfect person to to join the project. And um, in terms of like how like how we decided who would potentially be the CEO, it was just like she was such an obvious obvious choice with her um, her operational experience and like just we're a Bitcoin company, so it's super important we have like like the top person has like the best Bitcoin experience. Um, and obviously, she's very. Um, knowledgeable about like the community the bitcoin community and you know if we ever need to branch out to doge we've got that and <laughs> stringing our bow yeah jack was very persistent and i think you know for being so like mellow and even keeled i was like very surprised how persistent jack was but it was you know and it's also like i don't think jack and i could be more different um you know he's just like really maintains like, you know, there's nothing that can really startle Jack. And it's just like, it's so nice. He's just like the rock of the company. Right. And I'm kind of more all over the place, like, you know, just very reactionary. And, you know, I think it's just like such a really good balance. And we have some amazing other co-founders and everyone kind of has their superpower. Like sometimes I feel like we're the power rangers um, and it just like really works. The whole team just like really clicks. And I think we were like really lucky um, to kind of all come together and have this like amazing founding team. Is there anyone else who would want to go ahead and call out while we have a minute here on the team? Oh, yeah. I mean, the entire team, which we are now 13 people. Um, but, you know, we have Matt, our COO, Greg, our um, chief product officer, and then Raphael, our CTO. Like, that's our founding team. And, um, you know, everyone, like I said, has their own superpower. And then, I mean, I won't, like, name everyone here, although I wish I, I could. But the team is just, I, I will say, like, even at the end of the day, if, like, all else fails, like, we have created a family and our culture is extremely strong. 
Um, and, you know, even beyond that, our community is our family as well. There's so many amazing community members who hang out and help help us build these games and tell us what they want. And like, they are just such a strong extension of like the team that's on the payroll. And honestly, some days like they are, you know, just as or more important than, you know, everyone else on the team, most certainly myself. So, you know, I definitely can't thank our community enough. I guess I'm kind of surprised to know you guys have so many people in your company, honestly. So, I mean, the uh, question that's kind of looming over my mind is how how can you guys afford all that? I'm assuming that costs money to hire that many people. Do you guys raise money or something? Is there something that I'm not aware of in regards to that? We have raised money. It's not, you know, something I, I feel like that's the the least fun stuff to talk about. Um, and just in terms of like our marketing and, you know, how we push our narrative to the world, like we want to focus on the games. But yeah, um, we have raised some money um, and we have an incredible set of investors. And yeah, so we were able to hire very quickly. Um, and we have pretty much built out um, the team, the foundational team that we need for, um, I would say, the next year or so. Um, although we're always opportunistically hiring, um, but the team is first and foremost important for us. And that has also all just happened very recently in terms of bringing new people on. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, we've now hit a point where the team is full so we can just kind of hit the ground running and really start cranking out games and, and other products. Jack, I don't know if you want to add anything. Just that congratulations, Chaz, on the uh, exclusive you just got. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we're not we're not really public about trying to, you know, uh, getting it, raising money or anything like that because it's just about the, the games. Um, yeah, it's really exciting to like basically... The past, I would say, four months, I've effectively just thought I got Des on board and the other co-founders, and then I was just trying to find the best people I possibly could who could um, replace all the jobs I was doing on my own <laughs> and also like be 10 times better than I could ever be at those. So we've got really, like, everyone gels really well. Um, we've got quite a, a few employees in Poland, which is really exciting. And, yeah, it's just generally we're off to a good start. So I, I guess the reason why I ask about the, the funding or the finances or whatever is just because I guess it's so surprising. You know, the last time I was talking to you, Jack, it was pretty much, you know, I'm bootstrapping this myself and, you know, it's going okay. And now it's, you know, you guys are going, you know, monumentally faster. So I think that's, it's a testament to what you guys are doing that you're, you were able to kind of bootstrap in that fashion. Yeah, I think we kind of just did enough uh, before the investment to show that this has got legs and that um, it's worth investing in Bitcoin gaming because it's there's not many people doing it, surprisingly, but it's really exciting and there's definitely a lot of untapped potential. Okay, so I kind of want to quickly go over the games you guys are, are currently uh, putting out there. Now, Bitcoin Bounce was the one that was like the initial... Uh, game that you had launched uh, previously that was you know a kind of casual game kind of bouncing a ball kind of collecting tickets um i think that's the the majority of the gameplay loop would you agree yeah the uh the original game bitcoin bounce was kind of something i built for the lightning network conference as a tech demo so it was super simple and you just could collect bitcoin as you went across the blockchain 
Um, but yeah, that's the, the the basic first one. But we we kind of we have this mechanic across all our games, which is like a prize draw mechanic. So you play the game to collect um, like raffle tickets in the game. So the better you are at the games, the more tickets you can collect for like the prize draw at the end of the day. And then hopefully like you can win a good amount of Bitcoin by just playing these, the get, entering these prize draws with the tickets you collect. I think I remember from the last time we talked, you were doing the uh, ticket scheme as a way to avoid a certain subset of uh, issues. Is that right? Yeah, the, the ticket, uh, the prize draw mechanic affords us some uh, advantages when we're thinking about how to monetize this um, because it helps us with uh, fraud. So if we were just letting people cash out Bitcoin straight from the game, we was like, you can't really do fraud in real time where, uh, whereas with the ticket tournaments we have, where they're only once per day, so we can run fraud checks throughout, throughout the day. It gives us a bit more like wiggle room to stop cheats, um, which is super important because if everyone's joining in a tournament, they don't want to be cheated out of their Bitcoin. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of helps with the retention of the game because uh, people are playing the game over a longer period because they want to click more tickets. Um, so it's kind of a neat little tool for us to monetize us, our games quite well. The next game that came out, I believe, was uh, Turbo 84. Is that right? Yeah, that was a kind of, I wouldn't call it a racing game, but you, you basically drive, it's like an 80s themed lane changing game. So you have a car and it's driving down a 80s street with uh and you you just mustn't crash and the idea is to drive as fast as you can so your top score is how fast can you get this car without crashing and just simply avoid the obstacles by changing the lanes that also has the the, the prize draw mechanic because the tickets are in the in the road so you want to try and collect as many tickets as you as you can whilst going as fast as you can without crashing so it adds like a bit of spice to the to the gameplay Got it. And then the most recent one that was released um, was Thunder Bay. And now I might call that one a bit more of a classic freemium game almost. Would you agree with that? Obviously, it's not freemium because they have the, the Bitcoin in there. But yeah, it's the uh, classic mechanic of a bubble shooter. So everyone knows that our, our thinking with that was that because we're trying to attract people to Bitcoin, like our mission is onboarding people to Bitcoin through games. And that requires people to be put down the put, like pushed down the rabbit hole, basically. Uh, so they have to like learn what Bitcoin is, get a wallet, play the game, cash out their Bitcoin. Like it's quite a lot of steps for someone to do. So we didn't want to do the next game we decided to do as a mechanic that everyone would understand, which is like a bubble shooter. Everyone's played one of those. So they don't need to learn how to play the game they just need to learn one part of it which is this bitcoin part um but yeah it's been quite fun it's a level based game where you you basically have to complete the puzzle which is shoot all the bubbles in above you with the bubbles that you have in your like, basically your gun that you shoot up i was playing that one quite a bit um it was quite addicting i didn't actually log in until later and so i didn't realize i wasn't actually collecting any uh tickets which was unfortunate. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yeah, we're, we're working on the... So that's one part of like game development is sometimes you just have to like release the game and then you find out where the problems are and the, the problem you described is was quite serious. Uh, so that's something like we're working on and 
trying to make sure people understand that what's how to get the Bitcoin before they miss out on the Bitcoin at the start, which is what happened to you, basically. Um, okay, so you kind of went over a, a couple of these games here. Um, and I was kind of thinking um, just in general about kind of game dev here. How do you, you know, when you're designing a game, let's say, how do you choose, you know, what genre or what particular gameplay loop to go with? You kind of mentioned Thunder Bay, you know, the, the bubble popping game was just it's something that people were used to. Is that kind of the direction you're looking or? Yeah, so our approach is um, we're trying different genres and we're learning from the data we collect from the games about like what people like, what they how how well the games monetize and make us a, make us a profit. And we're trying to find the like a really good mix of all the different variables, uh, and we won't know that until we try several different genres. So we're probably gonna you're probably gonna see like all sorts of styles of games coming out from us while we kind of work out what what works basically, what are what the Bitcoin audience like because the Bitcoin audience is different from like the NFT audience, for example, is a different kind of demographic, different age group. Um, different mentality, uh, so we have to work out what <laughs> what people want, um, and then yeah, that's we're, we're we're iterating fast and making decisions based on what we see after a release. So maybe talking more generally here, um, like when you're kind of thinking about game design or game dev in general here, and you're trying to think of a game. How easy is it for you to kind of go into La La Land and be kind of naive and want to promise your audience, the like the world, like we're going to come out with the biggest MMO, RPG, open world sandbox that you've ever seen, biggest one ever, and we're only going to need $100,000 to make it. And it's, it's, it's absurd, right? Um, like something like Star Citizen or something like that, where they have these big promises but because the game dev is so naive, they don't know that they're overpromising. Do you have to think about that in in your process at all? I mean, I will say one thing, uh, and then you know, Jack, I'm sure you have like a much more thought out answer. But the one thing that I think sets our team kind of apart um, is that we really focused on building a team full of amazing game developers. Um, and you know, a lot of people who've joined our team recently were not into Bitcoin at all. They, um, you know, they, they were just interested or at least open to it. Think, you know, very naturally, like they've orange pilled themselves. Um, but that's kind of at least been our theory for hiring is that we have, you know, these amazing game developers who that's first and foremost, like what they're good at. And it's very, very difficult to compete in the mobile game space without having amazing game designers and these amazing developers. But it's very, very, very easy to orange pill someone. Um, and so that's kind of been our like hiring approach. And I think that's also helped us guarantee that we're not over-promising because everyone on the team, like under besides probably me, understands like what we can reasonably deliver um, without over-promising. Whereas I thought I think that if we had like built a team that was just first and foremost Bitcoiners, you know, we would have struggled a lot more um, to understand like what products we could deliver to the market. 
and probably would have totally overestimated. So like, I think one thing that's like ensured that we don't do something like that is, is our hiring methodology. But Jack, you can speak more from kind of the dev perspective. You've hit the nail on the head there. The, like, we don't have any, like, I don't know, pump and dumpers kind of mentality where they just want to do something flashy. The people on our team have got a lot of experience in, um, like release shipping games before, like nothing to do with Bitcoin. And they know how hard just that is. We're adding Bitcoin to something, which makes the project even harder. So they're super, we've got a team of like super realistic people who are like, look, we need to just do like, like don't bite off more than we can chew. Let's like build games that we think are going to work, but without taking massive risk and over, like you said, Chaz, like over promising and under delivering because, um, that's a really risky thing to do with your brand as well. Like you don't want to be seen to not deliver on your promises. I feel like this kind of goes in to the whole uh, funding aspect as well. So I could imagine many different companies uptaking many different approaches and some of those approaches being uh, some being better than others, let's say. How do you guys feel about, you know, the kind of temptation that's out there um, you know, there's many different ways to quote unquote sell out um, in, in the gaming space. Um, so you might have NFTs or loot boxes. I think a lot of gamers might see those as being very similar. What do you think about all that? Like, what are the kind of pitfalls there when it comes to financing? It's like, how easy is it to to foot gun yourself when it comes to taking money from outside sources? Jack probably has a very different answer than I do. Um, but, you know, I don't let anyone else live rent free in my mind ever, um, regardless of what they're doing, if I agree with it or not. Um, you know, I know like there's so much stuff going on outside of just Bitcoin gaming. Bitcoin gaming is very, very small. And, you know, like we have chosen a very, very concrete path towards. Um, you know, achieving our mission. And that is Bitcoin only. Um, And, you know, I'm just, there will be stuff that we don't agree with, or like we wouldn't do ourselves. But, you know, having, you know, and I think Jack will feel the same way, like at the end of the day, like you are accountable to your team and your investors, and you have to do what's best for them. So I'm not in the place to judge because I don't live in any of those people's shoes. So, you know, for us, it's like we are laser focused at improving gaming with Bitcoin and using games to bring Bitcoin to the world. And, you know, anything outside of that, I don't even think about. I mean, I notice it, but, um, you know, I do think it's unfortunate that so much money is being dumped into some of these projects. Um, I do think a lot of it is good intentioned. I don't think most people set out to like create total scams. I really don't think that people are that malicious. Um, but you know, I think there will be a course correction. Um, and I'm just being patient. I think being a Bitcoiner, you are an innately a very patient, patient person. Um, so similar with like the whole ICO boom, you know, all of that stuff was happening and it was wild and crazy and people made money, but then, you know, everything course corrected. And so much of that was drowned out. So much was scams. So much was just like regulated and really, you know, 
not beneficial ways to the people who created those projects or who invested in them. So I think we'll see a similar correction. And, you know, I'm, we're obviously placing our bets on Bitcoin gaming. So, you know, I, only time will tell if we're right. Uh, I think we are, but hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, we'll weather a storm over the next few years when a lot of this NFT, like other random blockchains, like after like all of that hits the fan, like I think will be the last like people standing and um, hopefully, hopefully the money, the money that's left will be invested into, you know, Bitcoin gaming, obviously other Bitcoin only companies. But I mean, that's just my kind of general take on it. But Jack, I'm, I'm sure you have a different view. Uh, no, yeah, I agree the same. Like, uh, I, I don't, because just to make a distinction between Bitcoin gaming and crypto gaming is like Bitcoin gaming is what the model we, we call our model um, free to win. So you can play our games and you can win something in it. You don't work in the game to earn something. Uh, so we have tournaments and prize draws and we, we, we're just trying to make it more fun by adding a little bit of Bitcoin into the experience. And then crypto gaming is this play to earn uh, model, which is proving like it does. People do want it, but they are just want it. They kind of want it for the wrong reasons. So they're like investing in the games because they think they're going to make money. So, for example, Axe Infinity people are investing in their guilds to um, with the expectation of profit, <laughs> um, which obviously brings you down the kind of ICO style like pitfalls. Which I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand how. Uh, the legalities of these things work with games. But um, the problem with it is, is like these people don't care about the game. They just care about making money from the game. So as soon as there's a game that is makes more money, they'll, the, the players will probably just divert to that. They don't. There's not enough like quality games being made. I mean, there are some few ex- exceptions to the rule, but that seem to be working. But I'm still not convinced like people really want NFTs or like because Ubisoft's, um, I think it was Ubisoft, but uh, yeah, they created an NFT-based game and it was like quite a big flop and not um, many people even bought the NFTs or even traded the NFTs. So it's a tricky one. And also it gives you kind of a bad reputation using NFTs if you're like in the general popular, like a general games company, because most people associate NFTs with like environmental issues, don't they? So um, there's all kinds of problems with it. Uh, I don't know. I think the investors who probably invest in the space have like a competitive advantage over the people who are buying and using these NFTs. They're like kind of resells, you know, their the tokens onto the retail people. It's just the same model. So the early people into the project early can dump on the people who come later. So it is a little bit of a pyramid scheme. But like Des said, I don't actually think about that space a lot. Like I don't let the live rent free in my head either. So I'm not an expert. Maybe Chaz, you should get someone uh, like do a counter um, lightning Bitcoin podcast with someone from the space. We can find out some <laughs> some stuff. I guess I'm just impressed with your guys's approach. As far as I'm aware, you know, Bitcoin Bounce or any of the other games never said, oh, hey, you know, go buy this NFT because then you could be really cool or whatever um, as a way to monetize. I'm, I'm glad you guys never did that, I guess. I'm going to kind of stay on game dev because it's kind of my it's my interest for today. Um, I was looking at Humble Bundle the other day um, and they were selling an asset pack 
um, for whatever it was for, like if you're to build your own 3D um, level or something inside of Unity or something. And it, you know, it was like a dollar essentially that I could, you know, get these assets and go make a game level really, really fast. What do you guys think about the kind of, I don't know if there's a moral responsibility or not, but do you, is there any thought process behind using kind of pre-made assets and like having them in your game and kind of representing them as your own? Um, do you think that there's anything moral in there or is it just part of making a game? Uh, I think it's like a, a spectrum so there, there's loads of useful game assets like template packs where you can basically you get the full game uh you can just change the graphics to be your style and you can add to the game like there's some like, like some games there's no point developing it all over again so i'm not against uh it really because you it's like efficient and for someone like for game developers who are startups it's really good for like for someone like us. It would be good to use templates to um, see what's going to work. Like we don't want to spend, like you said at the start, uh, like a hundred thousand pound dollars on a project for it to be like a flop. You need to kind of be smart with the money that people have given you as, to invest in you. So it can work. I'm not. Um, uh, the problem with them is though the code quality is not very high. So we've downloaded some, um, we've got a new game coming out and we downloaded this very simple, like simplistic and fun. Um, but uh, we downloaded a template pack to start to see like if we could just start the game with a template asset from the asset store. But the core, the code quality was not good enough. So we just had to like do it ourselves anyway in the end. But I think as long as you, as long as it's like a starting point, I don't have any issue with it because it's just a quick way to get your pro- the, the game going. Um, but in terms of assets that are like visual, like 3D models, I don't really like that side of it. I prefer that you use your own like models and graphics because then it's like you're putting your artistic flair on the game. Uh, so for example, like in Thunder Bay, we have like our cat and our, like our own IP that you wouldn't, if you bought that, you wouldn't like, there could be another game with our cat spark in it, you know? So you kind of. You can't really, I don't think you can really use the asset store packs because it's just like every, especially if it's a good one, because there would just be like hundreds of games that will look the same. Right. I think, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like so much of game design is like truly an art. And like I'm learning this so much more now, like being, you know, on a game, like working in the game industry as well. Um, I mean, and, you know, if you look at like the history of like, any type of art there's like so much of borrowing and reuse and i mean even especially in like the fashion industry if you follow like the work that diet prada does and kind of like calling out like there's a big difference between like utilizing something to like serve as the foundation for creating your own thing and actually just like straight up like ripping off or like just like plopping something in your game without like changing the context or like making it your own. And so I think there is like a very, very fine line. And I think it's just like, like Jack really, you know, hit the nail on the head where it's like, you know, why, why create something by yourself if you create it on your own and it ends up being the exact same code practically. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, for us, I think it's always a case by case basis. Like, but I mean, I I do find (laughs) at least for our team that our 
kind of quality threshold is so, so, so high that it's very, very difficult for us to reuse anything, even if we would like to, because like, you know, especially our CTO, Raphael, his like standards are so incredibly high that I feel like we might end up having to always kind of create everything on our own and, you know, for better, or for worse, you know, it might be an overcorrection as well. So, um, but yeah, I think it, that's always like a good question that um, comes up. What do you think, Chaz? What's your opinion about that? I think it really depends because like that was going to be my next question was I was going to introduce the context. Like I was going to say, if someone's new to game dev, would it be a different answer? Or would it be a good idea for them to run through um, the game assets? So for that, I would say, yes, it's a it's a, probably a good idea. So, you know, spend a dollar on these 3D models and then I can go play in Unity for 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 a dollar, basically, and not have to worry about you know, putting up X amount of dollars on, you know, going and hiring someone to make assets for me and having that cost a bunch of money. Um, and then maybe I just give up on game dev later and okay, it, it costs a dollar, big deal. Um, versus oh, I just took on $20,000 and now I owe that and I have to go pay that back or whatever. Um, so there, there, there's upsides and downsides, I think. Um, I think the, the issue is... Uh, taking on game assets and then kind of not telling anyone that they're not yours, that you just bought them from the Unity Games uh, store um, and that you really did no real work. And uh, yeah, like I think that's the shaky ground or even uh, putting in the uh, the game assets as NFTs. Um, like lightly edited, uh, lightly edited game assets as as NFTs are charging fifteen dollars for now. Like that's even like I don't even like that. That's reaching a different level that I really, really don't like. So yeah, I'd agree with that last sentiment. It's probably that's a bit cheeky, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Like because you're selling, like, you literally you because basically the terms and conditions of like an asset on the Unity store will be you can't resell this asset as your own if you're selling it as an nft like does that count like is that you reselling it um and i don't know i don't know either and i'm probably not going to guess but it, it you might be able to make some kind of argument that you're buying it for, as an asset inside the game so whatever i just think it's it's suboptimal um, you know, if, if you do use an asset pack, let's say I was going to make a game, I, I kind of want to make a game to be honest. But, um, if, if I was to make a game, I wouldn't come out and say, Oh, all this art and design is all mine. Look how great I am. It's more like I, you know, I created some scripting. I did some of the missions or whatever the case might be. And that's what I did and not try to misrepresent. I think that's the important piece. Okay, so um, kind of along the same lines, I was looking at Kickstarter the other day. I was <laughs> like in 2015, 2016, I was in a big mode where I was just funding a bunch of indie games. It was just something that I was doing. And I just looked back recently and I noticed a good portion of them just were not funded. And if they were funded, like the game was never like finished. They never, you know, came back. Um so we kind of delved into this a little bit with the overpromising and and underdelivering, um, but I guess kind of I was going to drill down to a more specific question. 
Is there any type of philosophy that kind of underpins the conviction at Thunder Games that makes it so that's not a likely thing to occur, basically, where, you know, you promise something and then never came to uh, fruition? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, well, we don't, yeah, like we, we, like it, it comes from me as well. So I didn't get, like, try and get any investment until I was comfortable that I felt like we could do we could do this uh, and like it was going to work. So basically I used my own money and tested out, like I paid for my develop, a developer with my own, out of my own pocket. I worked for free for a lot of like 2020. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, like I didn't even do it. I could have done, a, I suppose I could have done a Kickstarter or something. Maybe that would have been much, made much more sense. But the, so I think the philosophy of that does come from me and I, and the people that are attracted to work at Thunder Games are all very like have similar mentalities and, um, and you can see that in the approach to the games. Like we're not, we're not like putting out there, we're going to make this huge epic game that's going to take like two years or something. So yeah, we kind of do have that philosophy ingrained in us because it's just the type of people that have all come together of naturally have that characteristic, I think. So would you say that the kind of more casual gaming space is going to remain the short-term goal for a while, no long-term plans to eventually make Epic Game XYZ? We could do that. Uh, at the moment, we're just we're working on the iterating on different game concepts that are the casual mobile in the casual mobile game space. Uh, we do have some like long-term aspirations to do something more significant, like, uh, you know, like a, like an actual, like something much bigger, but we don't want to run before we can walk, I guess is the simplest way to put it. Um, we'll see, we'll see, uh, we'll see what the future holds and hopefully we can have some success with this, these types of games we've decided to pursue and that will lead on to like, some bigger and better things when our team's more capable, like much bigger. And because although we said we've got 30, I can't remember how many, I honestly don't know exactly how many people we got. I guess it was 13, 14, because we do have some uh, part time. But that is still very small for like a game studio. Like you can't expect like a AAA game to come out of that level of company. So we're not going to run before we can walk. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, also, I think that, you know, we want to build what people want. I think it's just so easy for, you know, small, like, startups to get into the, like, mindset of, okay, we're going to build this really, really cool thing. And it might be really cool, but nobody wants it. And so, you know, if you look at the numbers, like, mobile is just growing. And, you know, the, and I've said this a bajillion times before, and Jack probably wants to, like, hang up right now because he's tired of hearing it, but you know, 60% of the entire gaming industry is mobile. Um, mobile, like mobile is greater than console and PC gaming combined and it's only growing. And if you also think about, you know, accessibility um, and just like bringing gaming and also Bitcoin to different audiences. Um, mobile is it, you know, console and PC gaming really targets young white men, right? Who have money or, you know, are from a family with money, but mobile actually opens it up to new demographics. Like one of the demographics like we like to explore and it's constantly growing is uh, women in the ages between like 35 and 50. 
Um, and that's like these like relax, like idle games, you know, um, and, you know, we're exploring like how we can, you know, bring gaming to these audiences and then, you know, subsequently bring Bitcoin to these audiences. And those audiences are often like underserved, you know, emerging markets, um, you know, women who, you know, aren't traditionally the first people to like adopt Bitcoin. Um, so, you know, that being said, you know, I think right now, um, our hyper focus on mobile is like very, very good. We're a small company, we're a startup and, you know, trying to do too much too early, I think is a death sentence for so many companies. So we're not trying to target all of gaming. We're not trying to like compete with like Epic. You know, I think that's just like kind of madness. Like we're trying to find our niche. We're trying to find our footing, what we're good at, build the team and start, start seeing a lot of attraction and grow from there. I mean, I think Jack's right. Like, there can be like big fun stuff we can do um, down the line, but like there's nothing wrong with um, us just focusing on this. We don't need to be the biggest, sexiest right now. Um, you know, I constantly like when I go back home in Ohio, like look at these, like, you know, there'd be like just like some random, incredibly like rich person who like literally got rich off of making plastic bags for grocery stores, you know? Um, and it's like, whatever, like he's living his best life and, you know, okay, plastic bags might not be the best example, but it's like he's solving a problem for the world. Like, you know, what was happened before plastic grocery bags? Um, so I don't know. You know, we're, what, we're solving one problem at a time, and I think that's just going to allow us to be really good at what we're doing. I guess my... I, I find that uh, fascinating, actually, that you're targeting you know, 35 to 50 uh, year old women. That's, that's like fascinating. It's not something that I guess I would have. For some games, for some games, not every game. Yeah. Like Thunder Bay obviously has like more of like a, a female friendly type of vibe to it. I guess my reaction was kind of interesting because I've been thinking a lot about game accessibility lately as well. But I guess I've been coming from it from a much more uh, nerdy perspective and thinking about it like, let's get everyone onto Linux gaming because Linux is far more accessible than Windows. But I guess you're coming at it from an, a completely different perspective of like, yeah, you know, women in this age bracket or, you know, maybe other people in different demographics are not going to be on Linux. They're not going to be on a PC at all, probably. And so how should we react to that? Maybe a quick little uh, tangent there would be, how do you guys consume games when, when, when you consume them, if at all? Um, I, I play on mobile because uh, like the rest of the world, I'm like addicted to look at my phone, looking at my phone. So uh, I tend to consume in that way. Sometimes I'll get a PC game. I've got quite a good uh, PC setup because I do some like live streaming occasionally. So I needed to have some, well, I told myself I needed to have like the best graphics card. So I bought one. Uh, so I've actually got quite a good game PC. So I'd never use consoles anymore though, uh, except sometimes I get out my old SNES and uh, play a few games on that. See, I, I don't do any like, like PC gaming at all. I don't want to be on my computer any more than I absolutely have to. Um, but I used to, you know, do a lot of PS4 and Switch. But now it's like any free moment that I get, I kind of want to be working on what we're doing. Um, so I'm mostly playing our games and then games that um, our team kind of is just like looking at. But that gets me sidetracked, like 
Klepto cats, which are CPO recommended, got me distracted for a very long time. But what would you guys say is your favorite game of all time? I would say, please don't mention any of your own games. Mine is Super Mario Kart and the, it's the SNES version. I don't like any other Super Mario Kart. It has to be the SNES version. That's, uh, yeah. Not even N64? <laughs> no, no, I don't like that one. <laughs> well, I've never heard anybody say SNES. Like, I always just call it NES. No, the SNES is the Super Nintendo. Oh, okay, my bad. NES is the original. But I never heard anybody say, anybody say SNES. Well, how would you how would you describe it? I don't know. Original Nintendo. S S N E S. How do you just, how do you say it? <laughs> Super Nintendo. Before I got to gaming YouTube, it was S N E S. But then, yeah, once I got to gaming YouTube, they got SNES into my brain too. Okay. Oh, okay. That all right. That's fine. Uh, I'll let it pass. I think my favorite game <laughs> was GoldenEye. Oh okay. yeah, that's a great sixty four. Yeah, it, like that or like um, like pretty much any Zelda. But I used to play GoldenEye with my dad all the time. And I was just with him. So we were living some memories. So Some classics ones in there. Yeah. So kind of getting back to uh, Thunder Games here. So I, f- I feel like we've gone over this a little bit, but I feel like because this is lightning uh, junkies, we should touch on lightning a little bit more because I feel like I've been talking mostly about gaming stuff um, this episode. I was kind of curious to know what is the the stack for Thunder Games as far as the lightning network goes. I believe previously um, I remember Voltage being part of your stack. Do you want to go in more into that or is that kind of just internal information that you don't want to share? Uh, no, yeah, we use so we use Voltage for our Bitcoin node. Uh, and then we have like simple, like Bitcoin, like a little layer, like a Bitcoin payout system that I developed a couple of years ago, which is just uh, like an LNURL server that um, does the payouts for the users. We try and um, we, we we don't support the Lightning addresses payouts yet, but hopefully that will come uh, very soon. And that's effectively as it's kind of simple, really, <laughs> in the terms of the Bitcoin, yeah. So I remember from the last time that we talked that there was kind of various issues dealing with, you know, withdrawing onto the Lightning Network. I'm not even sure if LNURL was going back then, but uh, have you been having issues lately? Um, And if so, uh, what are they? Uh, We don't really have a lot of issues because the so the, the interesting thing about like when you actually build a product on Lightning is used. Most you find out where all your users, what products they're using, like what wallets they're cashing out to. Because, for example, if someone um, wants to cash out Bitcoin to their Satoshi wallet, wallet of Satoshi, um, we know it's gone to there because, you know, they have to tell us, send it to wallet of Satoshi. Um, So we optimize our payouts to uh, have channels with the services our uh, customers are using. We don't rely on the Lightning Network as a, as a whole so much, the reliability of it for our payments, because 99.9% of our users, we know where, they, where they're going to go or the main, uh, main wallets. Um, the only issue we ever have is like if I forget to 
top up the node with Bitcoin and it runs out or something. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's working. Lightning's working really well for us. It's kind of like on autopilot with Voltage. We just have the node, node open. We open the channels. Sometimes some channels close and then we just maintain it, reopen them. Uh, you, we use um, uh, Coin Corner to, to top up the node because they do uh, lightning lightning withdrawals. So we don't have to like loop in Bitcoin onto our, our node. We can just do the just do an invoice and top up our node. So it's almost like we just got this little node humming away and it um, just needs to be topped up. So, yeah, we, we don't really see any errors so much. Um, generally, it seems to be working quite well. Is there anything that you wish you could add on to the Lightning Network to make it better for your business overall? Mm, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything it's it's just you know it's still evolving there's still features that would be nice um to have uh but yeah no i I, des do you have any ideas no but like when jack ever wants something he becomes like the most annoying human ever this is what i tell you his like persistence like that got me to join so he'll just go into like telegram groups or slacks or just like tag people in tweets until they like do something he wants. He'll be like, I, I need this functionality added. And he'll tweet at them every single day, every single day. Yeah. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. But uh, yeah, like the, 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 the one feature I want on the lightning network is for everyone to just support LNURL. If anyone's listening to this and you own a Bitcoin business and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do lightning payments. You can't because you need to have LNURL as well. <laughs> I don't consider you finished. You haven't finished your job until you've added it. So that's the one feature I would have is everyone adopts LNURL because it's really, really good uh, protocol. It's kind of it's like Andre and uh, from Zebedee and Fiatjaf from Zebedee kind of developed this uh, lightning address protocol on top of LNURL, which makes it really easy to to tip people who use custodial Bitcoin wallets or they host their own. Um, yeah, LNURL. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like c- compared to like just 12 months ago, LNURL is basically everywhere. Um, like I got it in my BTC Pay server finally, uh, end of last year, got lightning address in there. I have a, like a hard time thinking about what doesn't have it at this point kind of regular Bitcoin wallets, maybe. So kind of still talking about Lightning here. Um, so nothing that would really help your business, I guess. But is there anything you guys are looking forward to in Lightning in general? Anything that you're kind of looking out into the future for? You know, one thing I'm looking forward to is the day that we don't have to say like Lightning at all. Um, you know, I think the, I mean, this is just general and not like, gaming related at all that like the separation between like the lightning network and Bitcoin, like only hurts um, for adoption and just like general awareness because it's like, Oh, you have Bitcoin. And then there's this thing called the lightning network. I, mean, I just imagine myself as like someone who's new to the space is like that, like another chain. Is it that a scam? Is that a token? I mean, people ask these questions all of the time. So like, I'm just looking forward to the point where, um, you know, there's just like Bitcoin and 
like lightning payments are just like so ubiquitous in the world that everybody just kind of understands that Bitcoin can be sent super, super fast. And um, that kind of like the whole UX is just it's all abstracted. So you're just sending Bitcoin. And I think that will like literally lead to like hockey stick chart of adoption. And I think, you know, that'll really help with like the gaming aspect as well. Um, so that, that's kind of what I'm looking for. It's, I guess it's forward to, I mean, I think it's an inevitability, uh, but maybe it's more of like a general wish. Uh, yeah, well, I just want to add to that, that we can start here with that where you can change, Chaz, you can change the title of this podcast to Bitcoin Junkies and then you can be the catalyst of change. And uh, then maybe we'll get one step closer. The the thing, the thing I'm uh, excited about, though, is the Bitcoin gaming. <laughs> Just like, I know oh, it's a bit boring to say the your own thing, but yeah, I'm, I'm super bullish on that and just excited to see all the different games coming out um i know there's probably a lot of investment in the bitcoin gaming space not just us i don't know of any but like it seems unfathomable that we're the only bitcoin games company out there there's obviously going to be more and more as time goes on so it's going to be really exciting how people use this technology and um, i imagine there's going to be some new innovations as well on lightning that unlock different things for gaming that we just probably can't imagine yet so hitting the game topic once again here before we we close out here. Um, so the one other major Bitcoin uh, lightning, uh, I guess it's just Bitcoin. Uh, the other major Bitcoin gaming company uh, is, is Zebedee. Uh, and they're kind of taking a different approach than Thunder Games. It seems like I think they maybe had a couple at the beginning, but then they kind of shifted away from that and moved into making the software that you could integrate into games versus making the games themselves. Um, what do you guys think of that approach? I mean, obviously, we um, this year and you know, very, very aggressively over the next six to eight months, we are really building out our mobile game studio. I think like dog fooding, um, some of your own products is super important. Um, so, you know, I think by actually pushing out games and showing that, you know, how Bitcoin can work in games is really important. And I think Zebedee, who we absolutely love and adore, um, you know, they've done a good job with like the games that they have that are, you know, really show, um, their tech off. Right. Uh, but I think we're just like aping into that a little bit harder and making sure that like there are Bitcoin games out in the world. Um, and that's like largely our focus right now. And I think that's us just like dog fooding some of the products that we have planned um, a little bit later down the road. So um, that's my take. I don't know your thought, Jack. Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, I think Zeppeli have always been a, a Bitcoin gaming tools um company I, all of their games have been uh published to yeah build out their their tools their suite of tools um yeah it's a good approach there's definitely like i imagine a world where there's loads of bitcoin games and bitcoin is ubiquitous into games like even as just on a simple level like in-app purchases you know if we all believe that bitcoin's going to take over the world then there's going to be bitcoin in-app purchases on apple and uh google so uh it's a really good idea to have, you know, develop a company that's going to capitalize on that, that growth of Bitcoin across that the gaming vertical with tools for game developers. 
So maybe one last question before we get into the fun question that I had here at the end. Um, so it seems like uh, the way that Thunder Games monetizes is through ads. Is that right? Yeah, we have ads and in-app purchases and occasional sponsorship. Okay, and like that's basically going to be the the approach for the foreseeable future. Am I right? It depends on the game. So some like some games monetize better with in-app purchases and not ads. So we do have some like plans to try that type of game as well. So really, um, we're flex. It's flexible at the moment. We're primarily an advertised advertising based business model like because most of the people playing bitcoin games are doing it to earn some you know some bitcoin and whilst they're having a bit of fun so there's the the they don't monetize as well with in-app purchases so that's why if our if the audience was leaning towards in-app purchases we would be also leaning in that direction with the the monetization of our games also we're working on some fun stuff with like you know making ads like more meaningful and um just like more palpable so um i mean that's just like a little hint but um you know we're thinking about um, ways we can kind of change the way that um in-game ads look and feel yeah we, we're not like super aggressive with the ads at the moment so um like although there are ads we try to integrate them in a way that is not like as bad as it could be uh we don't like we don't get a lot of although like you know people no one likes ads in games but if you, you're not going to pay for like they have to people are not paying for the game so there has to be something but we don't get a lot of like complaints about our ads which i'm kind of proud of and we do sometimes people do ask complain that there's not enough ads because some of our adverts give you um like as i mentioned before we have the prize draw and you collect tickets during the gameplay and if you miss the tickets, you like can watch a video ad to reclaim them. So if there's not an ad because there's no ad to be served because the ad network's not delivering one, the user might complain because they want the ad. Like so, we've actually kind of created a scenario where people want the ad because the, they want the extra rewards that it comes with. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, kind of, it's a nuanced uh, subject, but we're trying to navigate it in a clean and nice way. <laughs> Would having the purchase be at the very beginning kind of lead to less engagement overall? Yeah, and like it does, it it adds like a pain point, friction point where people won't like actually will get less people into our games. And our mission is to onboard people to Bitcoin through gaming. And the easiest way to do that is have free games because people will just try the game, get some Bitcoin, and they'll be orange peeled. Um, if they had to purchase the game before it kind of goes against our mission of getting as many people on the Lightning Network as, as we can. So that is another factor to it. We we would consider doing um, a paid game if we've, you know, had that light bulb moment where we could figure out a way to get that to work. And we everything's on the table with us. We're trying everything we can to find the, the most optimum, the best market fit for Bitcoin and games. All right. Um, so that's pretty much all I had for questions on Thunder Games there. Was there anything else you guys? Oh, wait, that's the last question I had. It was the fun question. I totally spaced. So you guys mentioned new game. Um, you guys don't have to tell me anything further, but if you want to exclusive, I, I won't say no. 
But uh, is there anything else you want to say about the new game or? It, this was Des's idea for the game so she can be the Shark Tank person. Yeah. Um, I haven't. Okay. So there's just so much fanfare about like Web3, right? Everyone's talking about Web3. But I am all about aping into Web 1.0. So we're like going to go back in time. And while we have the chance to fix the internet, fix all the games and add the value layer back to the internet, like let's do it. So our new game, just imagine forever ago. Do you remember having a Nokia phone? Did you have one? I did not know. That's okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Do you remember the original, the OG game, Snake? Yes. All right, we're like going back in time. So we are bringing Bitcoin back to the original Nokia Snake. So there's like a huge nostalgia factor. Um, People really love it in our like beta testing group right now, but the new game is going to be Snake. Is it going to be called Bitcoin Snake? No, it's not. I mean, the game, the name is like Sats. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. What do you think of the name, Chaz? <laughs> Sats. Yes. It's, it's pretty cute. <laughs> awesome. Okay. There you go. Another exclusive two in one show. Yeah, I don't usually get those. So that's that's amazing. So we're going to have you guys are going to have four games going at the same time. Um, So does that like split your attention at all? Like, does it mean that Bitcoin balance is like the the redheaded stepchild that doesn't get much attention or is are you guys going to come back to it? What's what's the outlook for the all these games here? Uh, We have a really good like production cycle so all the games should we aim like this is our one of our like aims is to have an update for every every single game every two weeks like we don't always hit that but even if it's just like you know fixing a small bug or um adding a feature or adding a new skin or adding something someone can buy or fit you know adding some social features like everything should we still have the bandwidth to update everything um, we, the, we do have like lots of new games coming, so that will be most of our focus, but the old games will still be, you know, get improvements over time. And Bitcoin bounce will never be forgotten because that was the, the original. The OG. Yeah. I, I think we should concentrate on that the most in my opinion, but <laughs> got it. All right. So I think I've, I'm serious this time, reached the end of my, my, my thunder games, questions did you guys have any other tidbits you'd want to share on your end or did we exhaust everything here oh man i think we talked we covered a lot i mean i guess you know we always encourage people to follow us on twitter and and join our discord um we're doing a lot of like building in the open and you know want to be building games that people want so um you know we're doing our like uh team brainstorming sessions in discord and the community can join and and really help us build the company and help us build the games so um definitely Encourage people to join there and join the Thunder fam. Um, and then, yeah, like download Snake. Let us know what you think. I think it's super fun. Again, the nostalgia factor is like incredibly high. Um, but yeah, let us like check out all the games and let us know what you think. 
you guys want to go ahead and do the uh, Twitter thing where you let everyone know about the, the different Twitter handles and how to find the Discord and all that good stuff? Yeah, well, the best way is to go to thunder.gg, which is T-H-N-D-R.gg, and it has the link to all our social media on there. Um, we're very at me and Desiree are always in the uh, Discord and Telegram. So if you want to literally just chat to us, like we're, when we're working, we're like in there all the time, throwing memes around. All oh, the rest of the Thunder Games team's in there as well. So if you just want to chat or uh, give us some feedback on our games, we'll happily have you in there and look forward to speaking to you. All right, perfect. And then finally, if someone wanted to get kind of more involved, so maybe, you know, helping with, you know, maybe getting a job with Thunder Games or anything like that, would that be something that someone could do out there or at least inquire about it? Yeah, you can literally uh, email us at hello at Thunder Games, um, uh, thunder.games, the, the link's on the website, or you can just message us on um so, uh, social media or Telegram or Discord and yeah, just say that you want a job and we'll put you through the, we'll, we'll get your CV and add it to the system and get in touch. All right, perfect. Well, I really appreciate both you guys joining me on the Lightning Junkies podcast today. Cheers. Thanks very much for having us. Awesome. Thank you. Boom. That was the 53rd episode of the Latin Junkies podcast. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, yeah. So that was that episode with Jack and Desiree. I've been on a huge gaming kick lately, so I feel like the fact that this episode is gaming related and the Lightning Friday that we have coming up here on March 25th is Bitcoin gaming related. So I've just been very much in game dev land. I've been studying a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of different games to just play with and understand game dev. That's kind of just where my mind has been lately. Different rabbit holes, uh, you know, the Bitcoin rabbit holes getting kind of boring here to be entirely honest. And that's why these shows have been suffering, getting less frequent, um, things of that nature. I've just been having a hard time feeling like my heart's actually in it. I'm very well known, or, or in my own life maybe, of being very uh, bouncy when it comes to the obsessions that I get obsessed with. The hell am I even talking about? Why is anyone listening to this? I'll see you on the Lightning Network. <laughs>